Ephesians 5, please. How many of you know there is resistance to being in the will of God? Because of the amazing things it will do for you and others that are around you. I'd like to say the devil's stupid. He might be dumb, but he's not stupid. He does have some corrupted wisdom. He has been around for a long, long time. Hmm. We know he's been around for 6,000 years in his fallen state, but he could have been around millions of years before that as Lucifer, the good angel that God created him before iniquity was found in him. But he's been around a long time, so don't think you can outsmart the devil. The only way you can live above his lies is to live in the truth of God's word. Education in the world and smarts and technology and anything else, that is not giving you an advantage over the devil and his lies and deceptions. You, he has been around a lot longer than us. And if you want to stay above his lives, you're going to have to be in the word. And that's why you're here today is to get in the word. So I'm going to say it again. Because of the power and the amazing things that comes with the will of God for your life, Obviously, the devil is going to resist you knowing it and being in that will. You're going to feel pressure. You're going to be tempted. You're going to, all these things are going to come at you to try to knock you out of the will of God if you're in it or to keep you out of it if you're not in it. Anything the devil says but the will of God. Even promise him some worldly stuff. Promise him some physical relaxation, whatever. Promise him just anything. I can just see him telling his demons, just give them anything they want as long as it keeps them away from the perfect will of God. And there is a perfect will of God for all of us. And so let's look here in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and all believers, including us today. In verse 17, Paul said, don't be unwise. Everybody say, I'm not going to be dumb. Be dumb. <laughs> Amen. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Uh, I feel prompted to read the next verse because this next verse is the will of God. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, that's the will of God. One translation says, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit of God stimulate your souls. All right, so this is the will of God. The will of God is that we've got something better than the world has. The will of God is we've got the Holy Spirit of God we can be filled with and drunk on, if you will. So influenced by the Holy Spirit that now it's not just you witnessing to your neighbor. It's the Holy Spirit influencing you to witness to your neighbor. And now it becomes fun because you're not trying to do it all in your own power. You know, going to church is fun when you're living a spirit-filled life. Do you know paying tithes is fun when you're living a spirit-filled life? It's not I got to, it's I get to. What's the difference? What's the difference? You're filled. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You're influenced by heaven more than the earth. So he said, go back to the previous verse. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Good question. What is the will of God for my life? Well, we know, we talked about this last week. The general will of God for all people on this planet is get saved, number one. Because what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Yeah. Jesus asked. Answer, Zippo, nothing. Number two, if you are saved, the next step for every believer on this planet is be filled with the Spirit. Jesus never intended the church be saved only. Right. Anybody want to give me a high five on that one? 
Actually, that came from the Lord on Wednesday night. Like Carla said, we're studying these things. The Lord never intended that the church only be saved. You read the book of Acts. He intended the church be saved and filled with the Spirit. And now that they're filled with the Spirit, doing the work of God properly because they're equipped to do it properly. All right, so number one, save. Number two, fill with the Spirit. And number three, somebody give me a guess. Give, give a shot. What's the number three thing that is the will of God for all people on this planet? Walk in love. This is the general will of God for everybody on this planet. Walk in love. And if you don't know what love is, Galileo mentioned it before service today. Read 1 Corinthians 13. 4 through 8, verses 4, four, five, six, seven, and 8 tells us the characteristics of love. That is the will of God that we all develop and grow in those characteristics all our life. All right. But now there's more things that are the will of God beyond that for everybody in this room. There's specific, particular things the Lord has for all of us and things He wants us to do, places He wants us hooked up, things He wants us involved in that are the specific will of God that a lot of times you won't find accurate, pure, 100% word-for-word scriptures for. You're going to have to seek God about where you're supposed to live, what church you're supposed to be a part of. Right? What you're supposed to do in that church. And remember this. See, knowing and doing the will of God is so amazing that you're going to have to realize there's going to be some opposition to it. Yeah. All right. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. And as we're turning there, can you say these words? I, I am, understanding am understanding what the will of the Lord is. Say this. I'm not dumb. I'm understanding what the will of the Lord is. So 1 John 2, so let's talk just for a few minutes about the amazing benefits of being in the will of God for your life. Maybe kind of stir up our appetite to want to know a little bit more about the will of God for our lives. Amazing. The safest place in the universe is in the will of God. If God calls you to the most war, to war zone country today and says, go there, that's the safest place for you in the whole universe. You'd be safer in Afghanistan or wherever. You'd be safer there than in a mansion with bars in the windows in Hollywood or some hill somewhere. There's no safer place than the perfect will of God. And always remember this, wherever the Lord sends, He protects. If we just decide to go... A place where he never told us to go. I'm not sure the full protection of the Lord would be there. There's no place like the will of God. Y'all remember the movie Wizard of Oz? Where Dorothy clicked her heels and said, There's no place like home. Well, there's no place like the will of God. That is where you want to be and that is where you want to live. Because you'll be praying for 100, 200, 300 things extra that being in the will of God would just bring to you. And remember, like we said during the offering, there are some things that another country, another person, another place, more money, there's some things those things can't buy. You can't buy what only being in the will of God can produce in your life. You can't buy what only being in the will of God can produce in your life. And don't think you're not in it. There's a lot of people in the right place today. There's just some things on the inside that need to be adjusted. 
Maybe there's some commitments that need to be adjusted. Maybe there's some attitudes that need to be adjusted. A lot of people are in the right place. They're just not in the right frame of faithfulness or commitment or, or thinking or willingness. So look here, 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. Keep the phrase, the will of God, in mind. John said, this is, you know, I wrote this a while back. <laughs> yeah, I'm still alive. No, this is, this is John the Beloved, not me. Love not the world. Can you love the world? Yeah, and it's a big problem. A lot of people have a hard time giving up the world because they love it. When the Lord requires something of them, they, they just can't do it because they love the world too much to give it up. Not trusting the Lord has something better. How many know we need to stop loving the world and start trusting the Lord to take care of us? I mean, why would you love something of the world more than the one who made the world? <laughs> right? Love not the world. Oh, but here's where you get specific. And don't love the things that are in the world. Okay? So we're talking about commitment this morning. So would you all just commit something with me right now? Say this. I, I will never again. Say, I love pizza. That's a thing of the world. We can say, I like it. It tastes really good. But I'm not going to love it for one reason. It can't love me back. Can you see a pepperoni pizza going, I love you. <laughs> it can't love you back. So why are you going to love it? Loving things cheapens love. And then when it comes to loving God and people, we're not where we should be. Love is for God and love is for other people. Say this. I, I will never again, never again say, say, I love that car. car. What's that car going to do? Come up to you and hug you and tell you it loves you too? Can't love you back. Never, say this. I, I will never again, never again say, say, I love my house. Why? Because the Lord said, don't love the things that are in the world. Well, I don't mean it. Then don't, then don't say it if you don't mean it. We've got to start meaning what we say and saying what we mean and get, quit cheapening words. Words are powerful. The devil's involved in a lot of that cheapening word stuff. So we're not going to love the world. We're not going to love the things that are in the world. Enjoy them. Yeah. Be thankful for them. Yes. But don't love them. Right. They can't love you back. If a man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Next verse. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Next verse. And the world passes away. Everybody say, the world's passing away. <laughs> you remember, remember Keith Moore sharing, uh, two Ramah students were arguing about prosperity and about getting a bunch of stuff in their lives and believing God for increase. And they got into kind of a contentious discussion. And the one guy who didn't have as much as the other guy just rose up and said, well... So what, you get all that stuff. You're just going to have a bigger pile of ashes than me at the end. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, did you ever hear of global warming? Yeah, that's not accurate. The Bible talks about global melting. Where the elements shall melt with fervent heat and everything on the surface of this planet is going to be burned up and renewed. But here he says the world's passing away, so why would you want to go after so strong something that's passing away? Don't you think we'd rather spend our time going after things that aren't passing away, that aren't temporary? The world passes away in the lust thereof, but he or she that does the will of God abides forever. 
Anybody interested in forever? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just talking about existing. We're talking about life at the fullest. See, let me make this clear to you all, church. Everybody is going to exist forever, even lost people. That's what makes hell, hell. And the lake of fire, the lake of fire, is you are existing forever in that mess. Eternal life means life with God. Peace and joy, right? And righteousness in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about, we're talking, we're way beyond existing. We're talking about living to the fullest forever. But here he says, he that does the will of God is going to remain in this amazing, peace-filled, joy-filled life forever. Well, that right there ought to make us very interested in the will of God. I'm way beyond existing here. I'm going to live, starting now, forever in this high-level living. Jesus called it life more abundantly. All right, so you got that? Anybody interested in living forever, not just existing forever? Anybody interested? Then you should be interested in the will of God. What brings that to you? In Jeremiah 29:11, of the New International Version, <clears throat> we quoted this a while back. We quote this scripture a lot. God said, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And people go, uh-oh, here it comes. Sell everything I got, give everything away, become poor, be sad, suffer every day. Oh, Lord. What's God's plan for you? I know the plans I have for you, Susie, Johnny, right? Jerry, Susan, right? I know the plans I have for you. What? Prosper you. So it looks like maybe we found out that the devil's a liar. Come on, have you ever sensed or felt that if you really go all the way for God, you won't like it? Where's that sense or feeling coming from? The one who knows you'll really love it. The devil knows you would love it. That's why he's trying so hard to make you feel like you wouldn't like it. The devil is constantly trying to tell people, if you really get filled with the Spirit, if you really get sold out and you really serve the Lord and serve in the church like, like you, know, you, you, you know you should, if you really do that, you won't like it. He will use feelings, thoughts, impressions, give you a dream or whatever to make you convinced you won't like it. Oh, it's such a hard life. Doesn't sound like a hard life to me. Actually, Jesus said, if you yoke with me, it's going to be easy and light. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. So if you like prosperity, what else should you like? The plan or will of God for your life. Right? See, we need to be checking up. The Lord broke this open through Brother Keith Moore. And I believe it's, as good stewards, we need to dig into it a little bit more and make sure we know what the will of God is. Because there's opposition to this in our lives. He wants to prosper you in His will. So His will comes with prosperity. And not to harm you. God's not into harming people. He's not a child abuser. There's protection in that plan of God for your life. And there's hope. Everybody say hope. Anybody like hope besides me? Confident expectation of the future, a bright future, reason to get out of bed in the morning, excited? Huh? Not just waiting for the weekend so you can take time off. You're looking to get back on with things because you've got such a strong vision. You love life. Well, it's in the will of God for your life. Now, some people, some people are in the will of God for their life. But so is a bunch of other stuff that's making their life stressful. And they're thinking it's the will of God that's making them stressful. When really it's all this other stuff in their life that shouldn't be in their life. Making serving God stressful. 
We taught a while back on making room for the things of God. Because you have to do that in this crazy world. Because if you don't make room for the things of God, you'll try to cram the things of God in your already overbooked schedule. And when you do, you'll think serving God is stressful. Serving God is meat. It's nourishment and it's supposed to soothe you and refresh you and strengthen you. What's stressful is trying to cram the things of God in your already overbooked lifestyle. And you have to start deleting things. Delete those unauthorized involvements and ask yourself this question. If I stopped doing this thing, would I be in disobedience? If the answer is no, why are you doing it? Why are you spending so much time doing something that if you stopped it, it'd be okay with God? Well, then why is that thing taking up so much of your life? I mean, do you ever think about it? If you stop doing something that you're doing a lot every week and you would not be in disobedience, maybe you'd be in disobedience by doing it. Because of the times choking out of your life. Did you all just hear that? Did I talk, did I talk too fast? Because I can talk slower, but we'll be here till three. So why don't you get the CD or get the MP3 and slow it down and you can hear it at your right speed or hear it 10 times. This is important stuff. So Jeremiah says his plan, his will for your life is to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. If you're not seeing those things in your life, I would suggest you check up on your motives, your thoughts, your faithfulness, your attitudes, your commitments, and your willingness level. And maybe your geographical situation. Moving right along. Hebrews 10. Uh, let me see here. Hebrews chapter 10. And look at verse 36. If the will of God is so great... Don't you know the devil's going to try to get you out of it or keep you from it? I mean, if the will of God is about forever, right? If it's about being wise and not dumb, if it's about prospering and not being harmed and being protected and, and having hope and expectancy of a great future, if, if that's the will of God, don't you know the enemy doesn't want you in any of that stuff? I mean, I think one of the biggest things the enemy does is try to get you to constantly do what you want to do. I have free will. God gave it to me. I can do whatever I want. And the devil goes, that's right, you can. God gave you that free will. Of course, you can do anything you want. Do whatever you want. God gave you free will. If he didn't want you to make choices, then why did he give you a free will? Of course, you got a free will. Do whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. If you don't want it, don't do it. You got a free will. God gave you a free will. Do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. And then he'll say, thus saith the Lord, do whatever you want to do. I gave you a free will. And you need to be wise enough in the word to go, devil, you're lying to me. You're trying to tell me just because I got a free will, I can do whatever I want and everything be hunky-dory. Or wonderful, beautiful, peaceful, joyful. One of the greatest things you could ever master in your life is your own will. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said, talked about a group of people that had power over their own will. When it came to some areas of flesh and going other directions that were even okay and good. Okay, so Hebrews 10, 36. You have need of what? Well, I guess if the Bible says you need patience, we should go, I need patience. <laughs> Why? Well, for one thing, we can all grow in it. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to be growing in this fruit for the rest of our lives. Say this, I need patience. I need patience. Why? Patience in what? 
endurance in what? Now, why would you need patience in the, actually the Greek word is endurance. Why would you need endurance to continue on in the will of God if you're never going to be pressured severely to get out of the will of God? Say this, I need patience. I need patience. Why would he say you need endurance in this will of God area? Because you're going to be severely pressured to get out of the will of God. Everybody say endurance. endurance. I have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What if you don't do the will of God? It didn't say God doesn't want you to have the promise. It says you won't receive the promise. If you're really honest with yourself, you can't receive something that you know isn't laid up for you. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Does receiving the promises of God sound good to anybody? Does the last part of this verse sound good to anybody? Then the first part of this verse needs to sound good to everybody too. Which is what? Enduring in the will of God. You know, we've got scriptural examples of people that made it. Scriptural examples of people that gave up just before they, they would have got in. I, I remember like two and a half tribes, I think, in Israel. They got to the brink of the promised land and they decided, you know what? We just don't want to go any further. And they actually talked their leader into saying, okay, you can stay right here in Kadesh Barnea, but the other nine and a half tribes are going over into the promised land. So two and a half tribes stayed in Kadesh Barnea. I saw a picture of it. And I don't know if it was a modern-day picture or depicted from years ago, but it was a very deserty, deserty place. There was a little bit of, you know, uh, greenery, but most of it was desert. And they stopped there by choice because it was tough. Decades had gone by. They were tired. Things weren't going the way they wanted. They wanted to rest. And they, they could have entered in. They, they just decided, you know what, we're going to stop right here. And, they, and actually, they were allowed to. But the other nine and a half tribes went over into the promised land and possessed uh, what we, we know as the promised land. But here it said that if you do the will of God, you'll receive the promise. Did you know, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, church, but um, your pastor and your pastor's wife, we get tired at times. It's difficult. There's things that come against us. There's pressures. I mean, I, I can relate with Paul a lot of times when he talks about the care of the churches and all these other things. And, and I just... There's been times we thought, you know what, Carla? <sighs> I probably better not even say something. But there's just, it's been tough. It's been tough. And the Lord started bringing me back to how to renew my youth like the eagles. And how to um, get back into that zone so you can, you know, finish your course and keep the faith. And, but I'll be honest with you. There's been times we just thought it's over. And then you got fight the good fight. What does that mean? I fought a good fight. That means he had a lot of opposition to finishing his course. Yeah. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Yeah. And hence there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. But we're moving forward. Our youth has been renewed. But here it says in uh, Hebrews, we'll receive the promise if we maintain. So now look at Job 36 and verse 11. Let's just keep hitting at this for a while so we can make sure there's nothing in our minds that, oh, if I just, you know, if I just 
if I serve the Lord, it's going to be so hard. You know, if I go to church as much as the Bible says, I'm going to be so sad. I'm going to miss so much fun. I'm going to miss country jam and all this stuff. Can I just say this? I've never been to one country jam, and I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, if it's good or bad or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I guess if Jesus, if Jesus could go with you, then go. I mean, but I'm not sure I want to take Jesus to all these places. But, but, um, you know, we, we'll we'll see these things happening all around us, uh, uh, and it's just so interesting how how many people don't understand how amazing the will of God is. They think they're actually going to be taking a step down. It's so, it's such a lie. Well, if you really serve the Lord, you know, forget about any prosperity. Forget about that million dollar dream. Forget about this. That is so, such a lie of the devil. God is not against his children being wealthy. He's against his children being covetous. Big mondo difference. Look here, Job 36, 11. If people obey and serve the Lord... They will throw a drag, be bombed, life will be gray, they won't have anything, everybody else will be having more fun than them. What does the, what does the Bible say happens if we really serve and obey the Lord? Hmm? You're going to spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Is God against prosperity? Is He against pleasure? The only thing He don't want is He don't want prosperity and pleasure meaning more to you than Him and His things and His people and helping. The more we can, the less things mean to us, it's like the more we qualify for them to be in our lives. So if they obey and serve Him, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. So we have to realize, when you're talking about obeying the Lord, we're talking about obeying the Lord with willingness. And that's why I go back to this. A lot of people are in a good place. And they're, they're not out of the will of God as far as geographically, or even what they're doing. But some people are not in the will of God in the willingness area. And so I encourage people, do everything you got to do to not only be obedient, but willing and obedient, and then you get to eat the good of the land. Obedience alone does not qualify us for eating the good of the land. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient. And there's been times, you know, we've had to check our willingness. Sometimes you'll slip because of pressures and things. It's like, but then you just got to get right back into that spirit-filled living and at, remind yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this just a job or is this my calling from the foundations of the world? And you get back into realization, this is my kingdom calling and my place and my, my ordained life. So now go to Mark 10. And I want to show you, we talked about this, I think it was last week, during the offering. And so I want to go over some of this right here, right now, because I think I have another, found another scripture why a lot of, scripture why a lot of people are sad and bored and just, just no zest to their life. No spunk. Just kind of slouched and sad and depressed and no reason to get their act together. The ultimate of this is why people take their lives. They just have zero purpose for living. 
do not have any clue how valuable they are, no clue at all to what their place is in God's kingdom. They feel like nobody cares. They feel like they're not helping anybody. I might as well just leave the earth. I mean, it's so sad. I mean, we're talking about the celebrities. You know, it's like Kate Spade. I mean, why? Why, Kate? Why? Owen Owen Williams. Owen Williams? Owen Wilson. So he attempts to take his life by cutting his wrists. It's like, Owen! But this just shows you, no matter how famous you are, or how much money you have, or how big of a house you live in, or who you know in the natural, if you're not in the will of God, you're an open target for depression, and fear, and lies, and deceptions. Why in the world would Owen Wilson cut his wrist to try to take his own life? Why did Robin Williams do what he did? We, the church, have the answer. And really, here's the thing. It's time these people see the gospel. If it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, then we need to be not only telling them the good news, we need to be showing them the good news. Right? We're epistles known and read of all men. Isaiah said in the last days, we and our children would be signs and wonders to the generation around us. We would be signs and wonders. Wow, I wonder why they have so much peace. I wonder. I I told you earlier, I said, I wouldn't trade my life for Brad Pitt's life. I wouldn't trade my life for the richest person in the world's life. Do you know why? Because I have things in my children money can never buy. Having kids in church, on the front row, serving in the ministry, grandkids in the ministry, on staff, who want to be here. You can't buy that with money. You can't buy that with money. The Bible says if you will reverence and worship the Lord, you know, not just not just, uh, you know, when it's convenient or when I got time or, you know, unless we get so busy with all these other good things. If you will put God first in your life and you will actually enjoy doing what he tells you to do, your children will be powerful on the earth. And your grandchildren will fall under a supernatural blessing. And wealth and riches will be in your house. Say, well, Pastor, it's too late. That's of the devil. It's never too late. I don't care if your kids are 60 years old. I'm serious. I don't care if they're 54 years old. Your influence, your worship of God can still affect your kids. God will send an angel like he did to Norval Hayes, his daughter, Zona Hayes. Woke her up, got her straightened out. Angel appeared to her in the middle of the night. Didn't say a word, just sat on the side of her bed with his arms crossed and just looked at her. And she freaked out. She could barely talk. She screamed. She said the angel got up and went out the, the door and it was too high. So his head just went through the top of the door. And he went, saw, her, saw him go down the hallway and he walked right through the wall and she could hardly talk. She's trying to get her dad to wake up. Daddy, daddy, big, 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 big. He said, what's wrong, Zona? What's wrong? He said, I saw, I saw, I saw my angel. He goes, oh, yeah, sounds like you did. And she needed it because she was about to die herself like her other five friends that died. 
by funerals of her friends because they're living crazy party lives and dangerous lives. And she got snatched out of the pit and delivered, but the Lord sent an angel. And I say all that to say this, being in the will of God will keep you in a realm, in a zone that this world can never produce for you. Protection, it affects your children. Norrell was sold out. He was a multi, he's a multi-millionaire businessman and at that time, but he was also sold out to God, and God was first in his life, not his businesses. And his children became powerful on the earth. So in Mark 10, in verse 17, I wouldn't trade my life for any celebrity's life. I would not want the grayness and the darkness that's upon their lives as they're sitting in their mansions and oppressions all around. Now, I was blessed to hear, I don't know if it was Chris Pratt, I don't know, I'm not saying I agree with everything these celebrities do or say or whatever, but didn't he just get married? The Jurassic Park guy? The, Chris Pratt, didn't he just, anybody know, did he just get married? I think he did. I think he just got married. It's his second wife, but he just got married. But she and he is constantly saying in this interview, so blessed by God, married in the front of the eyes of God, so blessed by the Lord, so blessed, the Lord's blessed us so much. Yeah, really. I think it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter he married. Yes. Yes. So they're just praying. Praise God for that. Yeah. You just hope some of these celebrities in that dark world are becoming a light to some of these other ones. Yeah. I have a heart for celebrities. I, have to, I just have to tell you guys, ever since, well, even before Keith Moore prophesied many years ago over this church, quote, the Lord said, I'm going to give this church much people and much prosperity and among the much people, God's going to add celebrities to our church. Now, I said that one time, and the person said, well, what about all the poor people? He didn't say he wasn't going to add poor people. He just said he's also going to add celebrities. It's a calling. Paul said, Jesus said of Paul, he said, Ananias, this guy right here that you're going to go lay hands on, see this guy, Paul, Saul right here? He's praying. See that guy? He's called to kings. He's called to uh, people of high uh, influence in society. Celebrities, basically. Paul had a calling to celebrities. As well as you know, Jews and others. And I thought, it's a calling. How many of these people need the Lord pretty bad? <laughs> All their money can't buy them out of hell. All their money can't buy them a ticket to heaven. All their money can't buy them health or happiness or contentment. or Right? I see it as a mission field. And the Lord actually has a project on my heart that I'll release to the church here eventually concerning how we can reach these people. It's going to take some prayer, it's going to take some faith, and it's going to take some support. But these people need Jesus. You say, well, I just saw them in a movie. They look so happy. Acting. <laughs> That's called good acting. Right? Right? I bet these people are exactly like that when I meet them in person. <laughs> Moving right along. Everybody on this planet needs Jesus. I don't care if it's a king or a prime minister or somebody that's sleeping under the bridge tonight. Everybody needs Jesus. And without Jesus, there'll be a hole in your life. There'll be an unfulfillment. There'll be lack of contentment. There'll be no peace. So Mark 10, we'll close with this. Verse 17. When Jesus was gone forth into the way, there came up one running and kneeling to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's a really good question. I like that question. 
Back in this day, before Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead, this was it. Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Talk about humility. You know the commandments, Jesus said to this rich young ruler. He was actually a rich young ruler, very wealthy. He says, don't commit adultery, don't kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. So everybody say this, he was a good man. Do good people need anything or is that it? Just goodness is it. That, if you're good, that's all you need. Is that it? Just got to be good. Is that it? <laughs> if that was it, a lot of more people would be in heaven today. Good people need to be saved. Especially if you're trusting in your goodness to save you. Some people need saved from their badness. Some people need saved from their goodness. Ain't nobody going to heaven because they were good in all that they did on the earth. It would be great. God would love it if it was possible. But according to divine law and justice, it's just not possible. You have to be born again. And so Jesus said unto this good man, Oh, Jesus, beholding him and loved him. There was something about this young, rich young ruler that was lovable. And Jesus said, One thing you lack. Now here, here's, here's the interesting part. Will the Lord ever ask us to do something we really, really don't want to do? Will he ever ask us to do something or turn loose of something we really, really don't want to let go of? Let me tell you this. If it's really hard to let go of something, you love that thing too much. You trust it to do something for you too much. Was the Lord telling this guy, get rid of all this stuff, become poor, follow me and have nothing? It, wouldn't it have been real interesting if this rich young ruler would have stayed around for the next few verses as the Lord continued to expound on what happens when you do this? He didn't stay around to hear the rest of the sermon. He went away sad. So let's read it. Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have. In other words, liquidate and get ready to go on the traveling ministry with me. Hmm? Is that what he said? Sell whatever you got. And then he said, give to the poor. He didn't say give it all to the poor. He just said, get in the giving to the poor lifestyle. Be thinking about the poor. You, you, you can't take this stuff with you when you leave. Like the guy who said, oh man, I'm so prosperous. I got to build bigger barns to hold all my stuff. And God said, you fool. You did not know that this night your soul is required of you. Now who's, who's going to get all this stuff? That's what goes back to the offering, being a giver. Why? Well, for one reason, you, you can't take any of it with you. Right? I mean, it's just, just, as, it's just as strange. I know you all heard it, but it's just such a strange picture to see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I'm taking all my stuff with me. <laughs> just a strange picture. He said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure. In and you shall what? So he's, he's not just saying give it all away. He's saying you're going to have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. What was this man's cross? Giving up something that he trusted in too much. Giving up something he liked a little too much. And getting over that hump and going to the next level. 
Next verse. And he, the rich young ruler, was sad at that saying. Now, why was he sad, church? Why was he sad? Because what he was asked to give up meant too much to him. What he was asked to give up is where his trust was. He did not see how life could be wonderful if he did what the Lord wanted him to do. This is a reason why a lot of people today are sad. They just don't want to give up the things the Lord's been dealing with them about to give up. And they think they're not happy for other reasons. They think this sadness is for other reasons. They think it's a person that's not treating them right. Or they think it's this or they think it's that. The reason a lot of people are in this sad state today is because they know in their heart the Lord has been dealing with them about doing something and giving something up and they have not responded. It might be certain things in the family that are taking up God time. It might be certain things in a career or just free. Whatever the Lord is dealing with you about, we're going to have to get to the point where we're going to go, you know what? If I, tr- if I put my trust in the Lord and do this, believing He can do better than what I presently have, i got to believe I'm going to lack no good thing. i got to believe all the scriptures that talk about if I trust Him, I will be satisfied. If I trust him, I will be blessed. If I trust him, I will be protected. If I trust him and go the direction he wants me to go, if I trust him, I will be like a young lion and suffer no hunger. I will be... All these scriptures that talk about trusting the Lord have to do with letting go of stuff at times and getting more committed to God. And if we'll do it by faith, believing that he can get us more than we even have right now, we'll make one of the biggest strides in our Christian life. Come on, what was the Lord asking this guy to do? He was saying, hey, I want you to join me in the 12. How many of you know now, this rich young ruler is probably going, I wished I would have done it. Oh my, in light of eternity, are you kidding me? I wished I would have done it. The master, the king of glory was asking me to be one of his disciples. And I said no because of stuff. And then we have examples of people having the most thriving day of their business and that same very day leaving it all to follow the Lord. Look what they got. He was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. I challenge you to read the rest of this when you get home and find out because Peter, because Jesus said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter in the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And what he was talking about is people trusting so much in their riches that they just don't have time for the will of God for their life wanting so much something of this earth that they just don't have the time they, that, that would take to serve God properly. Church, church, I don't know if you realize this now, but this is, this is not fun time. This is work time. What we do in this life determines our places and our positions in the next life forever and ever and ever and ever. Yes, there's times of joy. Yes, we should be serving with gladness. But this is not playground time. This is unique work time. This is time we get to prove ourselves for the next life. 
And if we do this thing right, our flesh isn't going to be very happy with us, except in the area of it's healthy. Right? You know, it says, uh, it says in, you know, don't turn there, but it says in the book of Numbers, no, Joshua chapter 14, it says that they got to the promised land. Joshua led them over properly. Moses was in heaven. Joshua led them over. And one day, right after they got in the promised land, Caleb came up to Joshua and said, Joshua, I have wholly followed the Lord for 85 years. He said, when Moses promised me, he promised me that when I came back with those spies and I shared what was on my heart and they all gave their evil report and I shared, we can do this, we can take the land. Moses promised me that day and said, Joshua, you will surely have as a possession where your feet tread in that promised land. When you went to spy out the land, that's yours. Because you've wholly followed the Lord. And this is so interesting. And Joshua says, at 85 years old, he said, when I was 40 years old, when I was 40 years old, Joshua, Moses promised me I'd have this land. I was 40 years old. And he said, because I've wholly followed the Lord, he said, I am just as strong today at 85 as I was at 40. And Joshua said, take your land. It's yours. And he took it. What keeps you as strong at 85 as you were at 40? Being in the will of God for your life, following him with all your heart, rebuking the lies of the devil that says it's not, the, it's not what you really want. I was telling Carl the other day, we were talking about retiring, you know, and these types of things. I said, Carl, I said, I hate that word because it will not creep over into the work. Retiring in the natural is fine. Nothing wrong with that. I, I just say re, there's no such thing as retiring from serving the Lord. There's retired people in the congregation right now physically, but you're not retired from serving the Lord. That never stops. And I was telling her, I said, Carla, I, I said, I remember the words of Joan of Arc. You know, I thought she said, I believe I'd die if I couldn't serve people. I, I know what she means. If I'm done ministering, I'm going to go to heaven. I have no desire to lay on a beach for 10 years drinking cranberry sparkles. <laughs> I have no desire just traveling the world. If I can't serve people and I can't do the will of God, I'm out of here without disease. But I am not going to end my life with regret. When I say end my life, I'm not going to end my life. When I'm at the end of my life... I'm not going to do it with a regret. I'm not going to go, oh, I didn't give it all I had. Oh, wish I would have done more. Oh, wish I would have had some things different. Oh, I spent too much time doing that. Good thing when I should have done God's thing. Oh, I refuse that. I refuse that. And I've made some mistakes. I've made some terrible mistakes. But I'm still fighting the good fight of faith. I'm laying hold on that for which I was laid hold of for. I'm not quitting. I am not leaving this earth unsatisfied and unfulfilled, wishing I would have done more for the Lord. I am leaving here, and I am flying through those gates, saying, Woo is the King of glory! Where is he? As opposed to, boy, I'm so glad I made it. <laughs> safe. The umpire said, safe. How many of you want to leave this life knowing you did what the Lord wanted you to do in your church, in your family? on your job, in society. It's a huge deal, guys. You want to make sure 
that you know and do the will of God for your life. A lot of it has to do with your part in the body of Christ. That's why we emphasize church services. That's why we emphasize opportunities to get involved in the church. And I just want to say to you, Michael and Alyssa, Dorsey, Alyssa, all you that are working in media room right now, behind the glass, children's workers everywhere, you are doing a holy, royal thing right now. This is not little. This is not insignificant. You are serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords by making it possible so His people in here could get fed the ever-living, life-saving Word of God. Camera people, you are life-saving. Heaven is interested in blessing you. You are blessed. You got it. You, everybody that serves in this church, housekeeping department, Dave and Dee, Zartman, everybody that serves on maintenance, house, anything you do for this church is a kingdom job. It is not little and it's not light. It's huge in the eyes of God. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tabernacles of the wicked. Everything you do for this church, pick up a piece of paper off the floor. Heaven remembers that you did it for the Lord. You did it for his church. You did it so his thing, place could look excellent. Big time stuff. Will of God to the max. And if you're doing those things with a willing heart... Well, get ready to receive promises and blessings and have peace and protection. A lot of people around you just flat out don't have because they're not in the same place you're in. It's valuable, it's powerful, and it's amazing. There's no greater work in the earth than the Father's business. Our church should at least look as good as a theater or a bank. For sure, better than a casino in Las Vegas. May not be as many square feet, may not be as big, but it should look as good or better. How many think it should look better? Yes. We need to have that love the house project. We're going to release that real soon. There's some things the house of God needs right now, and we're going to get them taken care of. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up.